You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind-the-mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never-before-released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads, and more, plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the higher ed show. And bonus number three, access to the digital show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network. Today we have Ray Yepes, the recently appointed CISO for the state of Colorado. Ray, welcome to Tech Tables. Thank you very much, Joe. Hey, what a great pleasure to be here. Thank you, sir. I'm so excited. And before we jump into today's episode, this podcast is sponsored by Sentinel One. Sentinel One redefines cybersecurity by pushing the boundaries of autonomous technology. With the Singularity XDR platform, Sentinel One is the leader in endpoint protection and beyond. Simply put, they stop the bad guys. To learn more about Sentinel One, check out sentinelone.com. And of course, this podcast is also sponsored by the live podcast tour. Join us for these small, live, intimate podcast conversations across the U.S. I've got two left this year, Ray. September 23rd in Sacramento and October 14th in Tallahassee. And looking forward to, I think we're going to do 10 to 12 of these next year. If you want me to come to a city near you, email me, joe, at techtables.com. Love the live events. All right, so I'm going to kick off this episode with Ray, and I'm very excited. Ray is a really smart guy, and we're going to tackle a couple critical topics today. It's going to be a fantastic episode. Ray, let's start with centralized versus decentralized governments. What have you seen from your experience working in cybersecurity, both in Texas and in Colorado? What are some of the benefits, maybe some cons? Can you break that down for us? Absolutely. A great question, John. It's interesting to see a bit the difference between the two of them. Many people will refer to Pest as a decentralized and Colorado as a centralized. And one of the big things that people don't notice, okay, I mean, that they, they share model, okay, which is the shared services model, okay, it's often confused with centralized services. And I think that's, okay, my opinion, okay, based on the shared services model more than decentralized. Colorado is truly unique centralized service. And the shared services model is designed to provide services to customers. And that's usually what we see in Texas, where these customers are internal or business unit leaders or even external customers in there providing or carrying these centralized services are usually an extension of the functional teams, okay, already located okay, at the enterprise level. So for instance, okay, in Colorado, I mean, truly, we're centralized. We're doing, okay, the services and we're agencies. We call the agencies, okay, that belong, okay, to the centralized model. We have, okay, I mean, consolidated or non-consolidated agencies in Colorado. The consolidated agencies, basically, we are the one, okay, the service, okay, the IT, the security, and so forth, if that makes sense. Texas, okay, with the shared uh, services model, they have certain services, okay, I mean, that they can offer, okay, I mean, customers, okay, every agency alike. But each agency is still 
separate and unique. To give you an example, each agency will have okay, their own CISO. It comes down to that. Texas is different. Again, each agency has their own ISO, CISO, CIA, director of IT, whatever they need to have their unique account that has them. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, this is great. And I think because we've talked offline a couple times, I jumped the gun a little bit. People might be thinking, Joe, raised in Colorado, but you're talking about Texas. Can you maybe talk about your background in Texas and then the transition that you made? And that way, I think that'll keep everyone, we'll get everyone up to speed on the conversation. Sure thing. Uh, Prior to joining the the state of Colorado, I started in Colorado, okay, April 25th of this year. So it has been on the job, okay, for a little bit over a Prior to that, I was the CSO for the third largest uh, state agency in Texas called DFPS. I was there for five years, okay, as their CSO. And uh, again, okay, it's the third largest agency uh, by size in Texas. Awesome. So Ray has this unique perspective of being at a, an agency with that kind of that shared services model and seeing everything there. And then Ray picked up and moved, left Texas. And moved to Colorado. I love Colorado. Shout out. I went to college in Colorado. Moved to Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Colorado's great. There's a lot of really nice, a lot of nice spots. I moved to an entirely... Di- now, when you move from the shared services model to this centralized model, was that a big change? Or was this something that you would wanted to see happen? How was that process for you being at the third largest agency in, in, in Texas and then moving to an entirely different model in Colorado? In my opinion, you know, and from a security perspective, it makes sense okay, to be in a centralized model. And uh, at least it's less of a nightmare from a security perspective because now you have full control. The issue, okay, when you don't have a centralized government, okay, when it comes down to your infrastructure, each one of them is different. So now the risk is dependent 100% on that particular agency. Here the risk is one entity only. So uh, you have better control, okay, from a security perspective. And there's also advantage, okay, from economical perspective and being able to maintain, okay, one single infrastructure for everybody. The same IT staff, okay, will provide, okay, I mean, IT, okay, I mean, services, okay, to all the different But from a security perspective, oh my goodness, in my opinion, is the way to go. I really like it. Before accepting this job, of course, I went to read, okay, about Colorado, okay, I mean, and how they... The IT infrastructure was centralized, a move that they made back in 2008. And the biggest reason why they made it back then was when we hit the recession at the time. It was a way to save costs. And again, from an economical perspective, it will save costs. And from a security perspective, it will also reduce your, your risk. Yeah, no, that's really great. And so this actually, talking about the economic perspective, let's jump to cyber insurance. Now, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of CISOs. And it's a hot topic these days, right? So we got premiums and deductibles are rising while payouts are falling, not to mention companies that are trying to find fault with the internal processes to reduce those payouts. This is like a life insurance scam. Colorado has opted with the self-insure model. So I like this. I'm calling this, you become your own bank. I really like this idea. Tell us how that process is going and what you would like to see in order to protect the state of Colorado and what you feel like you would need enough emergency funds to self-insure against the cyber risk that's out there? Great question. And I agree with you, Joe. It has been the topic of getting of everywhere you go, okay, people are talking okay, about cyber insurance. In current, okay, Colorado, okay, is a, is an insured state, all right? 
And when I first started coming for the state, one of the first things okay that was asked to approve was our cyber insurance bill. So I look at the bill, I go and say, okay, great. I want to see, okay, the previous year's bill. I want to make sure, okay, that, that, that pairing apples to apples, pairing to spares, and just making sure, okay, I'm making the right call, okay, before approving this. So I look, okay, at the previous bill, and one of the things, okay, I noticed, okay, I mean, that our insurance went from half million dollars, okay, to $2 million in one year. Needless to say, okay, I mean, that uh, our current provider at the time even dropped us, okay, so we have to go with a different provider to insure the state. Of course, you start seeing, okay, I mean, higher insurance premiums, you start seeing higher deductibles and less benefits. One of the things, okay, I mean, that you will see, okay, I mean, with it, this is happening to everybody, we're not the only ones. One of the things, okay, that I did before deciding to and sell okay, legislation, myself insure program for Colorado, was I started asking, okay, all the CISOs, all the states, I started conducting, okay, my own survey, asking people, okay, are you insured, are you not insured or self-insured? And the majority, okay, I mean, 80% plus, okay, are either self-insured or considering going self-insured within the next year. So it's a movement, okay, that is happening across the board, okay, just about everybody. And again, it's interesting because if you ask me, does cyber insurance work? Absolutely. But in my opinion, okay, it works better, okay, for the corporate sector. Corporate America, I would definitely advise them, okay, to consider having cyber insurance for any government entity. I would highly recommend, okay, going self-insured or no insurance at all. One of them. I'm going to explain why. Briefly, in Colorado, some of the things, okay, that I've been trying to work on, our premium case now $2 million. I figure, okay, I mean, that $2 million is already my annual budget. So ideally, what I want to do, okay, is set up, okay, I mean, $2 million, okay, I mean, to use, okay, in case, okay, I mean, that we're hit, okay, with a breach or that we have to pay, I mean, CDOT incident, okay, I mean, a few years back, back was about $1.7 million in cost. So meaning that the $2 million okay, would actually pay and cover for that. But the advantage okay, of government entities, okay, that most states, okay, will have, okay, what is called a disaster emergency funding program. Colorado has one, okay? We have the disaster emergency fund that we can always tap into it. At any given day, it's used many times, okay, for hurricanes, tornadoes, flooding, you name it. Same principle, okay, I mean, that entities can come, okay, and tap, okay, into this emergency funding. So can we, okay, with a cyber breach, especially if it's a major cyber breach. Any given time, okay, most states, okay, can tap, okay, into this emergency funding and pull $35 million, $50 million easily. But let's assume, okay, I mean, that we have a, a, such a major incident, okay, I mean, that exceeds what we can tap, okay, into the emergency funding. So, okay, that is $100 million. And we can only take, okay, $35 million, okay, out of the emergency funding system. One of the advantages, okay, that as a state we have is the government of the state can always declare, okay, a state of emergency. If the cost exceeds, we can always, okay, I mean, basically at that point, okay, your funding becomes unlimited. It's the same principle. The government is not going to let the state go bankrupt. We can get, okay, into limited debt, okay, if we need it. So to me, okay, that's a backup, okay, that corporate America doesn't have. That's why okay, I was recommending okay, for them to be able to have a okay, separate insurance and for government entities okay, to go. Another advantage that, that government entities, we can all activate the National Guard. The National Guard has such a powerful cyber, uh, cyber security program. Okay? It's incredible. Some of the brightest, smartest You can always find that I mean, being self-insured okay, instead of having okay, insurance. A, 
the problem that I'm proposing, okay, to the legislation, okay, would have not adopted. So the beauty of it, okay, is that, again, if it's the bridge, okay, it's taller, it is 300 hour annual budget. With a company, the deductible will be, I mean, most deductible, that's the minimum deductible, okay, I mean, that, that most insurers, okay, are paying, is the $1 million. So, again, if you have a $1.5 million, okay, bridge, that means, okay, you're going to, I don't think so. But another advantage, okay, to be self-insured is there will remain in control of our incident response. That is critical. I'm going to explain why. Most insurance provider will dictate, okay, the vendor that you have to use. It has to be an approved vendor from the provider. Many times, okay, they will actually provide the vendor themselves. They don't even give you an option, okay, from the provider list. They're going to say, this is the vendor that you need to use. Joe, believe me when I tell you, the vendors, okay, that these providers pick people you do not want to have in your team, <laughs> especially responding to a major emergency. These are the most often, okay, the newies, the mom and pop shops, okay, that you started, okay, a company, okay, and these are the, the only ones, okay, that are willing to charge, okay, the insurance company versus the real big guys, okay, that will charge, okay, 250, 350, 450, depending on emergency. So normally, okay, I mean, it, it will give you control okay, on your vendor selection. And this program, okay, the one that I'm proposing, okay, I mean, we'll have, okay, a, a preferred vendor, okay, on the a retainer. So that way, okay, for incident response, okay, we'll have a faster response. One of the ideas, okay, was to use this money, okay, and create a pool, okay, and be able to accumulate, okay, this pool. That was one option. But then I decided, okay, to go with a different idea, okay, that can help us, okay, I mean, increase our security posture. Most states, okay, that I spoke to, they have this pool, and they put this money okay, in a pool, and if we have a breach, okay, we'll pull from this pool, if we, we don't have to recollect this money, okay, the following, the following year. My proposal is having the $2 million, okay, the annual budget, not having a pool, and if we don't have a breach at the end of, of the fiscal year, my proposal is using this $2 million, okay, and investing it back, okay, into the insured entities that we have for the state, into security initiatives, like they will talk. Fantastic. Vulnerability scans, audits, a security training, training, whatever training we want to offer. So one of the beauty of this is being able to offer okay, and increase the security posture okay, by allowing them to use these funds. And then next year, again, it's part of my recurring budget. So every year I'm going to have to go, instead of accumulating, use it okay, and put it to better use. One of the things okay, I mean, that is important okay, to also mention okay, I mean, is, especially in Colorado, we're trying to secure okay, the whole state, okay? And one of our guiding principles, Joe, for the state is no government will be left behind. We believe, okay, in the importance, okay, of being able to help, okay, counties, municipalities, small cities. Imagine, okay, now using this program and allowing any government entity within Colorado to be able to tap, okay, into our self-insured program, free of charge. We're not going to charge you. You want to be part, okay? You want to have, okay... Cyber insurance, you can tap it two hours. However, you have to qualify. And to qualify, you have to meet the following minimum requirements. So we'll come up with the basic. You have to have multi-factor authentication. You have to have encryption. Okay? You need to have ABC and the weekend cyber insurance. Now think about for this moment. Now you're going to encourage these entities. Maybe they didn't have multi-factor authentication, but they want to qualify. They want to go and get multi-factor authentication. So in a way, you are improving the security posture of these smaller governments, these smaller entities. One of the things, okay, that to me is important as a selling point, 
okay, yo, okay, it says, going this route, it will increase the partnership and collaboration between the state and the municipalities, the counties, the cities, the small entities, tribes. You can improve partnership and collaboration, okay, with this route. You can improve security posture for everybody across the board. And keep in mind, okay, I mean, that when, when you think, okay, I mean, that being able to assist them, okay, I mean, with, hey, if you're here, okay, with a bridge, in addition to our cyber insurance, okay, that we're going to cover, okay, I mean, the cost, we're going to also assist you, okay, with your incident response because we have the resources now with the state. So being able to do that, okay, for these smaller entities is truly a way, okay, of honoring the guiding principle of no government will be left behind. So to me, it presents, okay, a win-win situation, okay, going with, with, with self-insurance. Also, one of the things, okay, that government, okay, can also tap into it is we have, we can leverage, okay, on law enforcement partnerships. That's one thing, okay, that every government entity has, you know? I mean, think about this for a second. I have two people, okay, at the FBI at Denver office that work for my unit for security. In these federal partners, the advantage is you're building partnership. If we're hit okay, with a breach, if I approach, okay, the FBI, or the Secret Service, or Homeland Security, whoever I need to approach, okay, I mean, these federal agencies, do you think they're going to say no, okay, when it comes down to helping the out? They're going to jump. They don't want to jeopardize, okay, I mean, this partnership, okay, that has been so helpful, okay, both ways. Needless to say, this partnership also helps, okay, with threat intelligence which is also key, okay, in this area. So uh, hopefully, okay, I didn't take too long, Joe, but that's how I envision, okay, I mean, this cyber self-insured program, okay, that I'm trying to sell, okay, to legislation, okay, for the state of Colorado. Yeah, so I love, there was so much you said, this is why it didn't open my mouth. I just wanted to let you, I just wanted to let you talk. No, this was great. I love the fact that you're building relationships in advance of actually, of an emergency happening, because the emergency will happen at some point the bad guys just got to get it right one time and then but having that relationship in advance is fantastic one question i had as just a quick follow-up was what states do you see that are the most similar to colorado right now when you're talking with your peers with the other state CISOs, do other states have this no government left behind model like who are the, what are what states are probably the most similar for you that you are bouncing ideas well, off? First of all, I, I tell you this, Joe, great question. I wish I had my notes because I can actually tell this. I have a list of the state because in my sales point, okay, to the legislation trying to offer this, I actually listed the state, okay, that first self insured. Okay, and what's okay, that? Yeah, you need a notebook like me. I mean, you need a notebook like me. Well, I have my notes <laughs> in the computer, so I don't want to interrupt, but basically, yeah. I can think of one, okay, from the top of my head, okay, which I have worked, okay, with, with the C's, okay, for that state, okay, quite often, is New Hampshire. They have a great model, and uh, they do have, okay, I mean, a pool, okay, which is different from what I'm trying to propose, okay, I mean, I think a, my, my unique approach is an approach, okay, that we're not going to have an approach, okay, that's going to recurring expense for us, with the benefit, being able to benefit, okay, again, that's going to improve, okay, my relationship, okay, with everybody in the state and improve okay, the security posture. I don't know of anybody, okay, I'm sure there are other states okay doing this, but I don't know of anybody okay I'm currently doing this. I, that was a question that, okay, I mean, when, when I conducted my survey, okay, it was only to know who's insured, who's not insured, and who's self-insured, basically. 
everything in Texas, okay, at the third largest agency, we went uninsured the entire five years I was there. We never had insurance. Because if we're hit with a breach, A, we could come up, okay, with emergency funding, okay, from our end. But say, okay, that we exceeded that, I would go to the government and say, declare a state of emergency, period. We had no problem. We're not insured for the agency, okay? That was my decision at the time. And it worked out, at least for the five years, okay, that was there, okay? We never had to deal with any breaches. So, uh, not on work, right? <laughs> yeah. But Did you pick up the phone? You're like, hey, Nancy, hey, hey Nancy, I got uh, a question for you. Nancy's great. I, I love yeah. Nancy. She's, she's... Yeah, she's super awesome. I really love her too. Okay, let's talk about threat intelligence. So, on our podcast intro call, you had mentioned that after 9-11, the U.S. government invested heavily into the intelligence agencies that, you know, obviously now we're in this massive cyber war. Can you maybe talk about the importance of intelligence and how you're coordinating in Colorado versus just the many cyber threats across the world? Well, first of all, great, great question. Intelligence, I don't know if you've heard me, okay, and with the advantage okay, of leveraging, okay, the law enforcement partnership that we have in Colorado, that helps, okay, you know, with threat intelligence, first of all, because we're able to gather information, but... First, okay, I like to say the following. Many people, threat intelligence, they think, okay, many times, okay, the threat intelligence is really a vulnerability scanning in a way. They think, okay, that threat intelligence is going and telling you what open ports you have. And again, this is a misconception, okay, in the industry, okay, things, okay, before they even happen, things in the making, that's through threat intelligence. And when you think, okay, I mean, about, Federal government, okay, I mean, how after 9-11, okay, they invested heavily, okay, into the intelligence community. I cannot tell you how many times, you know, the federal government, the U.S. government stopped similar events to 9-11 from happening. And it's not that they stopped it, okay, I mean, as it was happening, because that would be, okay, like vulnerability scans. Well, this is the, they infiltrated, they were part okay, of this, as they were, it was in the making. That, my friend, is true threat intelligence. And that's what a true threat intelligence program does. They want to have people working, okay, in the dark web. Because one of the things, okay, I mean, that happens, okay, people don't realize, people talk. So if I'm planning, okay, a cyber attack, okay, on, say, in an agency, okay, instead of Colorado, I'm going to, most of the time, I'm not going to do it alone. Most of the time, I'm prepping for this. I'm dealing with other people. People talk. It's human nature. It's human yep, nature. all time. So this information leaks. And through, a true threat, threat intelligence analyst is gathering this information, okay, that's speaking. Is participating with these entities, okay, that are trying to cause the breach or the threat, okay. So many times, okay, the U.S. government has had, okay, sources and cover operants, okay, and alongside these criminals, and that's how they're gathering, okay, information. So in my opinion, okay, a third intelligence program, okay, is one of the things, okay, that I'm about to start, again, simply because I want to create, okay, a true threat intelligence program. One, okay, that will be leading in the dark web. One, okay, that will be coexisting, negotiating, talking, okay, with people in the dark web to try to understand, okay, things before they happen, before, as they're planning the attack. Because, again, I can find, okay, through threat intelligence and through some programs, I can find out, okay, I mean, that we have a port open and people, okay, are, uh, I see communication going back and forth. That's a tool. A tool is telling you that what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Threat intelligence requires.
there's a human brain behind the seat. Somebody, okay, I mean, that will come, okay, and be able to tell you and say, hey, listen, I just heard, we're creating the dark web today, that they're selling credentials for the state of Colorado for $5,000. I saw, okay, a high bidder, okay, that won for $5,000, and he ended up, okay, with about 100 credentials for the state. That, my friend, is good information because the hacker has not yet a chance to exploit these accounts. Now, if we really get that these accounts were sold, and we can get hold of the database okay, that was sold, that's true threat intelligence. Now we can come okay and protect, change the passwords, do whatever we need to do. Normally, if I sell your accounts, okay, that I'm offering you, can okay, say you're in the dark web and you're trying to sell accounts. You're not going to come okay and buy 100 accounts okay from me, 100 good accounts. You're not going to think, going to negotiate with me and ask me, give me a sum. Tell you 100 accounts, I'm going to give you five accounts. Go test that, okay, so you can see that these passwords still work. Because, Joe, think about it. If I tell you that I have 100 accounts, okay, and, and with current passwords, okay, for the state, how do you know that this password has not been changed? You're not going to go pay $10,000 for this information. So when you get them, and all passwords will change. You ask for a sample. You need to make sure okay, that your information that you're receiving is valid before you even jump into it. So that's buying you some time. If you can find out okay, when the information took place, you still have time to go and correct and make a difference before something happens. Does that make sense, okay, with that example? Oh, yeah. And, no, I love that example. And oh, yeah, no, it's the great. The government had done, okay, with, with 9-11, like attacks, okay, many times, okay, they stopped incidents, okay, where people were planning bombs where people were planning and we were giving them fake bombs for them to carry out their terrorist act. You know what I'm saying? Imagine, we're even controlling what we're giving them. Okay, here's a bomb. They're thinking that they actually have a bomb and it was allowing us, okay, to gather who the players were, what their target was, what their intention was. That, my friend, is valuable information that you don't get your tools. You need, okay, that human mind. You need, okay, somebody wearing, okay, that cop hat in the dark web all day gathering information, intelligence information. I learned that, okay, I mean, there are many people out there, okay, I mean, fully know what I feel I know, okay, probably the best for intelligence analyst I ever met. I learned that from him, that it was critical, okay, I mean, to always have that human factor right behind it. That's great. So there's the critical human factor, which I love. You hear a lot about AI and everything, but at the end, there's still a human behind the scenes partnering to make sure because at the end of the day, humans are still going out and deploying. There's someone behind the scenes. So you need someone to go to work yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. figure that out. I love For that. Many That's years, fantastic. Okay, I assisted the FBI, the Secret Service, on national security matters. At the time, I mean, back, this is back in 95, I created what I called nine handles at the time. These were users hackers that I was going to lead them, okay, to become famous through time. Because when I normally do business, okay, with a newly hacked person, okay, I mean, who's, who doesn't have a reputation, I maintain these names and slowly, okay, through intelligence information, I burned them as I was going. My last handle, I burned, okay, in 2011. But imagine, I was able to keep this hacker, okay, from 1995. That he was very well known, very well respected, little People have no clue that this person was working okay for the intelligence community, for the FBI and Secret Service and all the things. So I really work hard okay, on building this, this handle so that way I think of other hackers in the community. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, I love that. Do you know Tim Romer by chance? Does that name yes. ring a bell? Yeah. It's Tim Romer. Yeah, so he's yeah, so he's the director of Homeland Security in the state CISO in Arizona. Back in the day, he actually worked at the CIA in the White House. And there's actually a funny photo of Tim where he looks super young and he's with Barack Obama at the time. So when you leave the CIA, he was telling me the kind of last day in office, you get a photo with the president and they got this like high powered camera. And so that's your going out of the going out photo. But he worked eight years there and he was on the podcast talking about the same thing you were talking about, how much that experience was so valuable working in the White House situa- situation room. And you don't actually work for the president or any party. You just work for the CIA, right? So you're behind the scenes. And it, that that work that you're talking about is critical, I think, super important, which I found uh, some CISOs who have that experience seem like they're really dialed in. So it's a great so I remember okay, one time okay, I, was, I was working on a plot okay, that was taking place that was in the middle building. And I actually used two of my handles. One to gain the trust okay, of the person that I needed, and the other handle to actually do the opposite. Try to one computer say, hey, don't trust this guy. I bet he's a cop, even though I'm that guy. So at least I, whatever, dude, what are you talking about? I'm not a cop. Okay, I say, I bet you are. So I was protecting this other hacker to gain his trust by telling him, don't believe myself, right? So it was interesting conversation, dude. Dealing with two monitors at the time, okay, trying to keep two conversations going. I'm now never going to trust an email that comes through <laughs> from you now because I'm going <laughs> to, you're just going to be messing with me now. Uh, okay, so the last point we had, you had these kind of four pillars. So I just want to summarize for the audience centralized, decentralized, we're talking about governments, the cyber insurance, the threat intelligence, and the last pillar that we were talking about is recruiting, right? Because people are critical. How are, you hiber- how are you hiring cyber talent right now? Where are you looking for talent? How are you retaining talent? Well, I'd love to hear I mean, thoughts on that. Yo, great question. And everybody, when you talk to CISOs, when you talk to anybody in security, they're having a hard time finding good talent. It's unbelievable. Okay? And they, okay, the big companies, okay, are able to one, they're the ones, okay, able to afford Navy SEALs out there. To me, okay, I mean, the way I have found talent, okay, most of my career has been, okay, through connections through partnership, to people I have known, and through networking. Because, God, Gerald, I can put a resume right now for you, perfect resume, and I can lie 100%. How are you going to truly verify this? Do you know how difficult that is? I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people exaggerate, people inflate resumes, people make up stuff in resume. So you truly have to rely on the reputation of this person. And when you think about the security experts out there, my goodness, you know, a lot of people call themselves security experts. They're not. Very handle of what they call the two Navy SEALs out there that I actually have respect okay, for their knowledge okay, and for what they do. So networking is key. How do you retain this stuff? How do you keep them from not going and not moving to the next major opportunity? Because the moment you have and the moment you train them, they become more valuable, they leave. That's typical in this industry. So how do you retain them? And this is when I, I preach okay, to way too many times okay, about this is you, you have to lead okay, with a heart. Unfortunately, we live in a world where people forget okay, the importance of the human factor. We have to be human first and foremost before anything else. We cannot treat people okay, like objects. We have to treat people okay, with respect. We have to care about people. And nowadays, it seems okay that is lacking in what I see. 
You don't see, okay, the true leadership. Okay, on leaders, okay, that they want to lead and make a difference. If you don't have that, you lose, okay, the very foundation, okay, that you need, okay, to retain your people. And to give you an example, okay, in Texas, okay, in the agency I was, we had zero turnover. People did not leave. And I'm going to tell you a story about that. We, as an agency, we have the lowest salary of any other state agency in Texas. So how did I achieve zero turnover with the lowest salary in the industry? My people, Joe, were getting offers left and right, 20, 30, 40, and up to 50% of what they were making, coming and working for the state, just a different agency. All they had to do was switch from one agency to another one. They were able to make 50% more. That's a big salary. And they were after my people because they knew we became, okay, a powerhouse. When I took over this agency, okay, the security unit, okay, was uh, very poor. By the time I left, okay, we had one of the strongest security units, okay, for the state. So people would come look after my people all the time. In fact, okay, my right-hand person, okay, I mean, she would get offers weekly. Yet she was there. Yet she's now the new CISO. She actually took over my role. So... To me, you have to care about people. You have to mentor people. You have to teach them leadership. And, 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 and my right, okay, is a great example. This is an individual, Joe, that had no security experience, zero. She wanted to get up into security. She was working, it helped us. And she was interested in security. And somebody asked her to meet with her, okay, I did, okay, what was, what I call, okay, I mean, in Texas, okay, a courtesy interview. So I interviewed her, but I could see, her attitude. I could see this person have what it took. Just by talking to somebody, you could tell, you could see. At the end of the day, okay, I made the decision, risky decision. I actually offered the job to this individual that had no experience. And I remember, okay, her first week at the job, I sent her to take the CISSP. <laughs> I just threw her into the water okay, with the sharks. In the deep end, yeah. Throw, push her on the deep end, yep. But again, this is an individual coming that I mentor, that I coach, that I uh, train, and now she's the new CISO for the agency, I guarantee, okay, I mean, I bet everything I have, she would do a much better job than I ever did when I was there. That I, I can bet. So, Joe, it's important to care about people. It's important, okay, to show, okay, the, the leadership. It's important to teach people, okay, to lead with a heart. Care about the people, okay, that you're working for. Because at the end of the day, we think, okay, I mean, that they are here with Public servant was servicing the public. Well, guess what? You're also servicing your own people. One of my favorite leadership philosophy, okay, servant leadership. I truly believe, okay, I mean, that's one of the best way, okay, to lead, okay, by being a servant. And that has been my philosophy coming for the last two decades. I want to serve the people, okay, that work for me. I mean, because we're in all this together. But caring about your people, they want to see, okay, if you are truly a genuine leader, Okay, that you're an honest leader. And believe me, you will learn, okay, that money is not everything. And I remember, okay, when I went to the state, to work for the state of Texas, okay, I took an $85 pay cut, not including bonuses. And then many people ask me, okay, what in the world did you do? My wife goes, what? We never knew. She was like, oh my God. And, and she goes, why are you crazy calling in our life? And making money was not my calling. Making a difference? was my company. And here, okay, I mean, being a public servant, okay, you have the opportunity okay, to make a difference every day of your life. 
And it's important to remind the people that work for you that they are all making a difference. Because again, if they want, if they want to make money, I can go get my job at, at one of the big tech companies and they're going to pay them two, three times to cover the breaking here. But are they going to be making a difference the way that they can make a difference right now? So imagine that. Okay, I mean, that we have an ability, okay, I mean, tell people, okay, to be superheroes every day. And our superpower, okay, is that, okay, I mean, being able to help others, make difference, okay, I mean, in this world. And to me, that's priceless. There's no company out there, okay, I mean, that can offer me enough money, okay, for me to want to, in my opinion, okay, I love, okay, what I do. Now, okay, in this new position, okay, I love it even more because I have a greater chance and a greater opportunity okay, to make even bigger difference. Before, I could only make a difference okay, with one agency. Now, I can make a difference with many other agencies, if that makes sense. And really, I truly believe, okay, I mean, that leaders is what makes a difference. You can offer, okay, the usual stuff, okay, I mean, offer them training, help them grow, mentor them. They, they want to leave your company, basically. But treat them so well that they will never want to leave. Does that make sense? It's almost like an oxymoron. It's okay, that contradicts. You want to give them the tools. You want to help them grow. You want to train them. You want to mentor them. So that way you can prep them, okay, for the next job. That way you can prep them, okay, for them to want to. But you're going to treat them so well and with so much respect that they'll never want to take that job. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's an emotional heartstring. And I love that because people always will stay with somebody or stay with a boss if they know that person cares about them and has their best interests. And, but, and then I want to unpack two pieces because you, you had a lot of really great stuff in there. And I know we're running out of time, but I want to dial this in. So networking, retaining people. So very quickly, because I, if we could do a two or three hour podcast, but very quickly on the networking front, what's one or two of your favorite open-ended questions that you ask potential employees when you're interviewing, or maybe not even when you're interviewing, maybe when you're at a Starbucks or you're at a conference, what are one or two open-ended questions that you ask that kind of pique your interest I on a cybersecurity front? usually ask questions, okay, I mean, that I know associated okay, with a resume or with a job. I want to find out, okay, about the personality. So one of the first, one of the good questions, okay, and I haven't asked this yet, okay, but I used to ask her, okay, um, especially in the, in the one of my number one questions was, I was straight on their eyes and I said, do you lie? And I would love to see, okay, how they would react to coming because of, no, I never lie. And you're going to say, that's just a lie. Right there, you know, because it's nearly, it's impossible <laughs> for humans not to lie. Somehow, some way, 100%. some people yeah. lie more than others. Some people lie less than others. Some people, but people justify themselves. They come and say, I don't lie. I just exaggerate. That's a way of lying. I'm sorry. I don't care how you want to sell it. But it was one of those questions okay, that would set a baseline going forward. You already knew, okay, am I living with a BS or not? So that was the number one question we asked people, do you lie? And guess what? When interviewing criminals, it was, you go, okay. But anyhow, that's one of those. But, but then, of course, come okay, life-changing experience. That forever. That, that's a good one. It will tell you, okay, a lot about their personality. It will tell you, okay, I mean, how they see the world. Because I'm not kidding, okay? I have people, I ask that question, okay? Tell me about a life-changing experience. I remember, okay, one time, okay, that, and they would mention something stupid, you know? I mean, they would come over and say, I remember one time, okay, I mean, that uh, I had an accident, my car, my car was stolen. And that changed my life forever. And you go, again, for that person, maybe it was 
shocking, but it tells you a lot about the perspective of the person. Obviously, you haven't lived very much because if that's the biggest, most shocking thing, okay, that changed your life experience, okay, has been minimal, or you are only focused on the material things. And then, of course, that bothers you because the cost of the vehicle. So it's interesting to see what people are going to respond, okay, to that question. It will tell you, okay, the maturity level. But more importantly for me, it will tell you, okay, are they people, okay, that they can have a heart, live with a heart, be a human factor? That question will answer that, okay? Because depending on the answer, you're going to get a good feel, okay, or say, oh, this is a great human being. This is somebody I would definitely want in my team. Because that's another thing, Joe. I can give you the smartest person right now. And if this person cannot work well with you, it's useless to you and your team. Even though he can have all the certifications, all the degrees. So you need to know emotionally and personally, will this person be a good fit for my culture before you bring them in? So that's one question okay, that to me, okay. Another question I asked in the past, nobody would ever guess. Okay, I mean, if you told them I did this, and some people would come up okay, and say, oh, God, I was, a, I was a sailor. And you go, what? And now you're in the side of, oh, I, I, I was a midwife. Or they will come up okay, with things okay, that definitely you would not expect. Okay, I mean, and, and those are great questions. Tell me something okay, that nobody would ever guess about you. So now I'm going to ask you this, Joe. Do you lie? Oh, do I? Oh, I lied today. Can I tell you? Sure, go for it. Can I tell you, can I tell you what I lied about? So I went to get coffee with my wife at Handlebar Coffee, and there's a sign that's like, hey, 15-minute parking. And and my wife, if we get lattes, it's going to be more than 15 minutes. And I was like, don't worry about it. We'll just lie. The parking people don't worry about it. It's it going to happen. I'm guilty. I, I'm guilty. I really wanted the coffee. It's going to happen. I'm, there's all kinds of funny stuff I do. I have so. reason for it. If we will lie, it's normal. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, I remember my daughter was seven years old, okay, and one of the cats, okay, was really sick, okay, we had a cat, and we took the cat, okay, to a vet, okay, and the cat had cancer, and the vet said, okay, I highly recommend to euthanize the cat. So, of course, I told my wife and daughter, go wait in the car, I stay with the cat die in my arms, when I come out, okay, my daughter asked, where is the cat? I said, oh, they're going to leave her for the weekend there, you know what I mean? Observation, just to see if her health improved. I just didn't have the heart to talk to that, I wanted to... First, get used to not being with the cat for a week. And then that's what I did. Okay, a week later, I said, hey, baby, I just heard from the vet. Unfortunately, okay, the cat died. I didn't have the heart to tell her, okay, I just euthanized and killed the cat. I could. Whatever the reasons are, we would, it's human nature. I mean, we lie, okay, about goofy little things. But to me, that was a, a, almost like a, like an icebreaker. Just to ask them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. actually... I got a great one. I got a great one. So for those who have kids, if you're a parent out there, you learn really quickly between what you say and what you do, because the kids, when they start to get old enough, they start to call you out on it. It's probably the ultimate where you're like, oh, okay, now I just said that and I did something else. So now they think I'm lying <laughs> the entire time. And then you have to reconcile with this kid's going to hold me accountable. That's actually a really funny one. So if you're ever in the interview process and you're with someone's kids, you could ask them, hey, what is your, what is your dad or mom? What are they lying about? <laughs> think about this for a second, Joe. First of all, the more people lie, okay, this is a correlation I made okay, throughout the years. Pay attention to the lie. The unhappier they are. Now, think of Gandhi used to say, the trick to happiness is you want to be happy. Gandhi used to say, you have to align your words, your thoughts, 
and your actions. They have to be in perfect harmony. Think about how deep, okay, that is. How many times, okay, we say something that inside of us we don't think, okay, or agree with it. Or do something, okay, that we don't think, okay, or even say. So if you can have your words, your thoughts, and your actions in perfect alignment, you're going to reach to what you used to say. So try to yeah. do that daily if I can. Yeah, you're work. You so you admit you're a work in progress. So am I. All right, we're gonna end up with with this. Just we're gonna end with leading with the heart. You're gonna be able to have a much better team, better culture. I love this conversation we had today, Ray. Where can people find you at? Where's your favorite spot? LinkedIn well, or I Twitter? You, okay, where are you kind of most active? As unfortunate as it sounds, I don't have any social media, not even LinkedIn. And reason for that is. I used to testify so often. I mean, I had testified, okay, in federal and civil courts, okay, in my, in my career. So that was the first spot, basically the first spot, okay, I mean, that opposing counsel would go to discredit you, basically. So I never had any of those Facebook, what's up, nothing, okay, that is even social media related, okay, I have. So if people want to reach out to me, they can reach out, okay, at redfest.com. So my first name, last name, together.com. Awesome. And you can subscribe and follow the Tech Tables podcast for uh, when Ray comes out. Ray, this is awesome. Well, well, Thank you for coming on Tech Tables. I really appreciate it today. Your podcast and truly, out of all the podcasts out there, I believe you have the best one. Honest, no, because I'm part of it. You have the best one, and you have really some good Navy SEALs out there. I'm telling you, you have some very smart, some talented people, and you have done a fantastic job, sir. Believe me. Uh, I just asked the questions. Everyone else fills in the great the great conversations so thank you ray i really appreciate it thank you sir you're listening to the public sector show by tech tables a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from cios and technology leaders across the city county state and federal agencies joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today from mission-driven leadership to cloud ai to cybersecurity, workforce challenges and more never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind-the-mic newsletter. And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never-before-released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads, and more plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the higher ed show. And bonus number three, access to the digital show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network.